And we're live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we just get to talk about some of the content that we talked about over the weekend. And uh, we are on, what is this, 14, 15 week episode number, uh, I don't know. It's 15. Christian just told me from outside of the booth that it's 15. So Thanks, producer Christian. We're on 15. I think this might be sustainable. Maybe. <laughs> so we are glad that you're with us. One of the things that we always try and do every week is that we try and give you kind of a quick highlight of what is upcoming for this week. So we do our, want to kind of point out our cow, which is Connect on Wednesday. Uh, it's our midweek offering that we have every single week. Dinner goes from about 5.30 till about 6.10-ish. This week we're doing sausage and peppers and vegetables, I think. Mm. Sounds pretty good. It's always a Jewish a, meal. It's always a good meal, um, regardless of whether Jewish or not. It's always a good meal. So oh, if you're interested, uh, you can come be a part of that. Six, like, want to be 6.15. I'm trying to get through this here, buddy. All right. As Josh is chowing down on his taquitos or whatever he's eating. Um well, what am I saying? 6.15 is when classes start. We do have the uh, the testimonies the class. you said was starting a month ago. Yeah. Uh, we've been all sorts of off. off. But I, I'm confident this time that the testimonies class is back starting tomorrow night. That's Wednesday, the 27th uh, or 29th of January. Let me look at the date. That's right. Yeah, 29th of January. So um, love to have you be a part of that. There's also a couple other classes that are happening. So a ton of different offerings to sell as well as Celebrate Recovery. We've got middle school, high school events. Um, just a, a great weekend So or a great midweek offering. So if you're interested in that, let us know. If you have questions, um, we'd love to see you there. So that's kind of all the highlights that we have. Jumping into this is week four of our this is my year so new series that we started at the beginning of january this is week four and we covered a lot this week there was a lot kind of happening as we are kind of continuing through the book of judges um and this week specifically we're looking at samson so do you want to give us a kind of a review or an over oversight of what we talked about oh yeah um first of all uh, if you haven't listened i'd recommend you listen i would not recommend you listen at one and a half speed and i would <laughs> recommend you carve out an hour plus a few extra minutes and because that's what it is and uh, it was a lot not yeah. recognized a lot and even after saturday night service I thought, god is there any way to cut any of this like literally god show me and i really did feel like uh, i don't get this a lot so this isn't like super spiritual josh but i did feel like he really wanted us to highlight what was wrong with samson like yeah. deep in him like there is something messed up in him that he right. could have god's sovereign power over him and he could keep wrecking it right <laughs> and so I mean, that's kind of our story in a lot of ways that even though the God of the universe loves us, we can, 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 we can continue to mess it up. And right. so I really feel like God wanted us to highlight that. And in order to highlight that, we really need to go and look at, you know, what the scriptures say about what's really wrong with us. Yeah. So that's the offensive part and the helpful part is like, you know, we've been talking about pain and we don't like pain, but it is a great clarifier. It tells us what's wrong. And so while we want to avoid it, it's really helpful to have pain and, well, boy, do I want to avoid this conversation about how broken I am or how broken Samson is. It's a little easier to talk about Samson, a little harder yeah. to kind of look at inwardly. It just felt like uh, Paul's words in Romans chapters 5, 6, and 7 really did explain pretty clearly what was wrong with Samson and what's wrong with us and the solution to all that. And so I knew the minute we got into it in Romans chapter 7, we weren't going to stop until we got out of it. And right. it's just a, a lot of material. So I described it to, the, I guess, the sun, second service on Sunday. That have been using this kind of this triage metaphor that basically these judges in the 
Old Testament, what they what they are doing is uh, they're coming in and they were providing salvation, freedom from oppression and you know enslavement. But it was it was this quick triage, and it was just a band aid. It was yeah. just okay. They're about to die. Let's help them not die. And so they they were saved from that. But it's not like they ever went into the OR and really had right. stuff surgically removed. So the minute the uh, the you know the the judge would die, these Israelites would go back into that pattern, which is kind of what we do and why we've been looking at it over the you know that. Uh, as a New Year's resolution, every year we kind of get these patterns, I mean, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, where we go, we're going to really serve God. We're going to make all these commitments. And then we find ourselves getting back into the old patterns of sin. Like I right. I, I meet with a counselor every week, have for 15 years, and I was telling them, uh, even this week on, I'm 30, almost 39, turned 39 this weekend. Getting like, old. 39 years old. And the same things I struggle with now are the same things I struggled with 15 years ago. Like, yeah. And we look at ourselves and go, shouldn't we be better? Like, how... What is going on? And so it just made sense to me that we'd actually be able to see, you know, intimately in our own lives uh, what's really going on with us, what's really going on with us. And at the core, what we see is Jesus representing the great, perfect judge who doesn't do triage and Band-Aid work but does, you know, permanent, eternal work. It says that he came to save us from our sins, right. meaning at the at the at the base level, what's really, really at play for us is destroying our lives, families, marriages, our, our culture, our world, whatever it is, all those things. It is sin. Hmm. So let's figure out what that means. How do we deal with it? And is there some hope to be found in it? And uh, the reality is what Paul tells us is we don't have to live that way. Hmm. We don't. We don't have to live in sin. We can not let it be our master. And there is a way about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. I guess it's death, burial, resurrection where we get to kind of um, to vicariously live through what Jesus did for us yeah. on the cross and those things. That we can actually get that literal freedom from sin and walk in what Christ did. So right. big idea is right. uh, one guy got us into this. Right. right. And if we can come to that conclusion, like if we actually can go, okay, yep, one guy got us into it. And this is where I kind of told him, you know, it might not be fair. We can put all the blame on Adam, and that's not fair because you or I didn't do it. But just because it's not fair doesn't mean it's not true. Right. And right. so the reality is there's a lot of things that aren't fair that are true. Yeah. All over our world today, um, impoverished kids could die because right. they didn't get any food. That's not fair. Right. Well, but it's still true, so we can just keep arguing the fairness issue, or we can deal with the truth of it and come up with a solution for it, right? Right. And so that's right. I said, you know, like fetal alcohol syndrome. Not fair, right? That a, that a baby can be born addicted to a drug. That's not fair, but it's yeah. still true. And so what if this is actually true, that we all, because of one man's sin, got into all this stuff? Which, you know, that's why I love psychotherapy and what I shared this weekend is, you know, like— if I do enough work, I realize where I'm broken, a lot of where my brokenness comes from is family of origin stuff, right? right. Places I felt alone or felt abandoned or felt like I didn't measure up, right? And so it's real easy in the therapy world to, for the client uh, to point towards their parents as the issue, right? And then you go, well, the, why did the parents do that? Well, because they had issues. Well, who do they point to? Well, it's got to be their parents. Right. And then their parents, right? And so if we follow that line all the way up, it would make sense that what created this mess, or at least started this mess for us, would have been the first man yeah. and the first right. woman. And so both figuratively, there is this uh, statement of what a first man looks like, and that's what we call Adam. Like that's, that's you know, client one, patient zero, right. Adam. Adam's that person, right? And then, uh, so the figuratively and literally, I'd say the scriptures say his name was actually Adam. But right. regardless, if we can at least maybe agree that this all started with him, mm -hmm. meaning what got us into this was patient zero, mm -hmm. right? 
you know, we can see all the stuff, we, all these different viruses we're worried about now. You chart back to patient zero, and if patient zero got us into this, if one human can get us into this, right, then perhaps one could also get us out of it. Right. And if that one has actually got himself, then that doesn't mean he just will get us out of it, but he will get us into something better. Right, right. And that's the difference between being put in Adam versus being put in Christ. And that's what I want to make sure we got that. Maybe this is actually possible. That if one person get us into it, one person should be able to get us out of yeah. it. And how much more can they do can, than just get us out of out of it, but get us into what they right. actually, that the God of the universe wired us to do, which is innate in all of us. We all long for that, but we're all suspicious that we're not going to be able to achieve it, mm-hmm. right? Just the story of Samson, the story of our life. So yeah. just kind of charted through that. I feel like there's so much that we can talk through. I feel like uh, you said this a couple of weeks ago that it was like you got two messages or three messages, a couple counseling sessions. And a book. And, yeah. and I feel like this was similar to yeah. that in the sense that, man, there's so much content. But I agree, like when specifically Romans, how do you talk about sin and kind of how do you work through all of that by just taking one? Unless you're like John Piper and you're – you know, spending years going through a book. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how you can do that. So one of the things that it did kind of as we looked at it was we've been going through the book of Judges, and um, there's a question that I had for myself, and we've got one question today that kind of pertains to what we're talking about, but it also is kind of a standalone question. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get to that. But as we are have been looking at these judges, mm-hmm. you said that there was 12 judges as we look at this. Obviously, it's a you know, five-week series, we're not going to be able to go into all of these judges. But there was judges from where we were at with Gideon, and then there's like a couple judges pass, and then we see Samson show up, right? Is that accurate? Maybe yes, I'm getting yes, that yes, wrong? yes, that's right. Let me look through. So we were basically looking at the the life of, of Samson starts yeah. in Judges 13. We were looking kind of through... Uh, 14 and 14 through 16. Uh-huh. But um, what it felt like is that... Just, I mean, again, we're talking about the big picture. We're looking at Samson's life and seeing the fact that he messed up over and over. And then we're we're going into Romans 5, 6, and 7. Mm. But as you look at that, I guess, as an overall for Samson, um, I, I don't know. Was there anything specifically that you wanted to highlight or, or wanted to talk about more? But because of time, obviously, you didn't quite have the ability to do that. Yeah, there's some things I would want to highlight in you know Romans for sure. We can get to that later, but... Yeah, there's a couple of things on Samson. Here's the thing that's really crazy. Uh, so, I mean, it, it is, it is, I don't know, uh, MA, TV MA, or NC-17, <laughs> whatever. I mean, this isn't even R. I mean, this is horrific and horrendous stuff. And so S- Samson has all this mm, this ability and anointing. So yeah. messed up, right? Right. And so some things I just would have loved to spend some time pointing out is, okay, Samson doesn't like all the stuff he has because it's not enough. It's got to be something out there. So he is attracted to Philistine women, right? Mm-hmm. And so they are uh, the, the the bad ones. They're the oppressors. This is not like this is right. this is horrific. And yet those are people he found himself of the Israelites, identified right. with. And so, you know, the the first wedding, you know, first of all, he's, he's not supposed to drink. He's not supposed to eat certain foods. He's not supposed to touch dead animals. All these different things, right? And he's not supposed to cut his hair. And we highlight, like, okay, Samson was good until he didn't cut his hair. No. Yeah. He was bad from the very beginning. We find <laughs> yeah. him at a like a, a, a wedding party, and he is I mean, he's trash. Like, he's drinking, and he's, you know, and all this different stuff. And he has just come to this. And before he, he actually has 
this lion comes up to him and he goes to have this fight. And I don't know if it's like a mountain lion or like an African lion. I don't have a clue. It doesn't really, I mean, but it, I guess it could matter because it says that he tore him like he tore a goat. Right. Like they described Wait, like, first of all, you tear goats? Oh, yeah. Like, you, know, you know, you know, here's the scripture. Hey, Jews, you know, he tore just like you tear goats. Yeah, right. Like, I do that twice a week. I did that like on Thursday. You know, like, so it's like, that's so random. And then inside the goat, there's honey. Right. So there's honey inside the goat and he eats it, touching this dead animal, which is, it, which is the, you know, which he's a Nazarite. He can't do that yeah, stuff. Right. So therefore, he should lose all of his anointing. Right. He doesn't. We'll get to that. But then he takes the honey back and gives them to his parents. Yeah. Like, he actually makes <laughs> them violate it, doesn't too. Doesn't he lie about it? Like, he just, no, no, he or just, he just doesn't tell them the whole truth? Hey, this comes <laughs> from a dead animal. I'm not supposed to touch dead animals, but you eat the honey, right? Right, right. So you go, that is so broken. Right. So as a preacher, sorry, I was eating my hot dog. Um, as a... As a preacher, if you're not watching online, I mean, if you're watching online, you can see me do this. But if you're listening to the podcast, sorry, I was hungry. Um, <laughs> so as a preacher, it's like, what do you do with all this material? Um, a bunch of people coming into a room and saying, uh, can you help us reconcile this? Which is one right. of my favorite things to do is go, let's just highlight how weird the Bible yeah. is. Because one of the big you know, arguments is that stuff's so weird, it can't be true. And I'm like, it's so weird and it's true. It, it's got to be. <laughs> so so that's all that. And then he goes to this wedding and he's like, I'm going to create a riddle. But yeah. it's, it's not like a real riddle because it's like the riddles my kids make up. You know, like it's, it doesn't even make any sense because he goes, what could die and also be sweet or something like that, right? right. Or whatever it is. And and then um, he makes a bet for 30 sets of clothes. So there's these 30 guys that, like, his, you know, his uh, his uh, Philistine entourage, like, basically the wedding party. And he's like, hey, I need some more clothes. Why do you need 30 sets of clothes, Samson? But there's 30 of them. So he said he'd get them closer. They would all have to give him, like, a, a new outfit. <laughs> what is it, Easter Sunday? He like, was very fashionable, yeah, apparently. Like, it just is crazy. I wish I, I mean, I could have spent a bunch of time here. Right. That's why you show a quick video. Go, let's get the highlights because right. it's nuts. And then they can't figure it out for several days. But yeah. Samson tells a girl. Yes. Right? And the reason he tells her is because she cries. And she's like, I don't, I don't feel loved. And Samson needs to be needed and wanted. Yeah. And so he gives in and she tells the guys. Right. And they're like, aha, I'll tell you. It's a lion filled with honey. And so <laughs> Samson leaves angry. Right. He leaves angry, and this is where it gets so confusing. He leaves, and he goes somewhere else, and he murders 30 people. But no, no, that's <laughs> the, not the worst part. It was, a, And it was the Philistine countrymen, right? Like, yeah, no, like, no, no. It's 20, it was Asher, I don't remember exactly. It was like 23 miles away. Hmm. Yeah, so 30, uh, like a young guy, 23 miles away, Ashkelon. That's where he went. Okay. And he kills 30 men. <laughs> Kills 30 men and takes Stripped them of everything and gave their clothing to those that had explained the riddle. Burning with anger. Here's the problem with all that. What it says right before there, when he goes back there, it says the spirit of the Lord is on him. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's right there in verse 19. In a different message, we really got to do that. Because that's messed up. Right? So the spirit of the Lord. Came powerfully upon him. This broken guy who has just broke all the rules except for cutting his locks. Right. Right. And so. This would be, if I'm not a Christian, I point out that and go, that's messed up. Right. What's that about? And it's like, first of all, these were the enemies. Yeah. This was, God has the ability to look all the way, play the tape all the way forward and understand what's wisest and most prudent and uh, does use, you see it in the, you know, very beginning Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, where um, Joseph says to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God right. used for good. And right. so God in his redemptive potential uses good and bad things. In fact, what I would argue is God only uses bad things in Jesus, right? Right. He, if he uses me, it's not because I did something to earn it. But where we mess this up, I think, is we, as, 
as, as Christian leaders, as a pastor, I can go, see, look what God did in our church. People got saved, budgets up, more people are coming. It must be that I'm good with the Lord, hmm. right? It must yeah. be that my behavior is good. So we can yeah. look out and we determine someone's uh, morality in yeah. the, based on what's evident around them. Right. But if God's doing the work and he only uses bad people, one of the dangers here is to go, Huh, God's still doing good things in my family. I guess he doesn't care that I look at pornography. Right. God's right. doing really great things in my family. I guess he doesn't care that I cheat on my taxes. Right. Right. right? It's like, no, like God only uses bad people, but that yeah. cannot be that's the explanation for why it's okay to continue to live the life that you live. Yeah. And here's the argument. Samson had a miserable life. Right. Like he killed a bunch of people, a bunch of people in his anger, right? Like he was a miserable, angry man. Yeah. He did not have good joy or hope, and it right. was a miserable life. So you go, ah, Samson got to do all this stuff, and God still used him. Yes, and he hated his life. Right. So this isn't this isn't a treatise on why you can still sin and it's okay because God right. can still right. use you. It's like, no, it's actually really, really sad. So Samson goes back, right, and brings right. the clothes. Right. But the dad's like, wait, I thought you— You were no, gone. You were angry. You I gave your wife away. Wedding, so, yeah. you know, daughter got a new husband, you know, and so like— now he gets angry again. Then he. What kind of a broken party is this? Like, would you ever go to a party like? Oh my I... gosh! Yes, I would. <laughs> the answer is yes. I, I'm and not, I would take a lawn chair. I'm not surprised you would go to that party, but I think I might stay clear of it. Like, oh my gosh, I, it's I just. So funny. Yeah. Oh, so, man. but then he comes back and he's still. Oh, he's so angry and he. So he catches 300 foxes somehow. How do you, or jackals? I don't know. I don't. How know. do you even do that? I don't know, Doctor Doolittle. I mean, like it's like going how did all that. Out all the animals get on the ark. I mean, this is crazy talk, right? And then he ties their tails together, yeah, and sets them loose. I mean, this is just nuts. And so I would ties uh, their tails together and sets it on fire through their fields. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's an intriguing story because um, it's crazy, but it doesn't go. Wow, that's the God I want to serve, right? right. I mean, this is right. this is a broken human being who does yeah. horrific things as a result of the brokenness of who he is. He is a broke man, and he yeah. dies miserable. Right. With his eyes gouged out. And again, he goes after another woman who continues to mistreat him. And he go, she asks about the strength. And he lies to her, tells her it's about all sorts of different yeah. ways, tied, bands, tight, loose, color, whatever it is. And every time she ties him up yeah. and says, come get him. And then he and, breaks through. And it's like, at what point, Samson? Even that, though, yeah. like he's telling his wife these, these lies. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Philistines just magically show up and he you know, breaks the binds that were put on him and he, he like <laughs> kills them or runs them out. And then he does it again. Like, so even that, like, I feel like it's probably to the point that you're already making is that Samson, Samson's life isn't that great. Like, why would he continue to, to lie? Why would he continue to, and this is probably the same question for us. Why does he continue to toy with sin, even though it, it's has such a negative impact on his life. Yeah, so he's doing these things, and you go, that's just right. foonery. And I just would say, what does looking at that computer screen do for you? Right. You know, like, what does saying that horrific thing about that person, yeah. it never makes us feel better. So, right. like, it's easy to judge at the same time. But, but, but at its base level, what you see in Samson is this desire to be loved and yeah. cared for. Like, he is... He is broken. And I'd say, well, where does that come from? Well, he had the same problem we do. He was in Adam. I don't know if he had daddy issues. I don't know if he had mommy issues. I mean, his even his birth, which you don't have time to talk about, it's a supernatural thing. This is like Abraham. This is like yeah. barren woman, late in life, supernatural. I mean, this is another one of those crazy, should not have been here yeah. stories. And then his 
life is just miserable. So yeah. he does those things, does those things, and then finally tells her the, the truth, which is his hair. He go, and then she, she cuts his hair. Right. And then immediately he lays in her lap and falls asleep. And right. you're like, well, and she, he falls asleep after he tells her that. And then she, while he's yeah, sleeping, that's right, yeah. pretty deep sleep, I guess. I don't know. I'd probably wake up for that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So she, he tells her, not real concerned. So it's like one of two things is happening. He just wanted to be close. Yeah. So, which there are people listening to this. That's, that's your brokenness. Yeah. I, I could probably, that's mine too in so many ways. Man, I would do anything for that closeness. Right. The decision some of us made in middle school, high school was. That longing for closeness, yeah. and we know what it's done to us. So it's either that, maybe that, or he's done all these other things. Yeah, and it, God still gave him his and power. And he still had, yeah, God's so pr- presence on his yeah, life. What's yeah. this one then? You know, and yeah. that's the thing. And honestly, I would say that story is a story that plays out in the prosper, you know, prosperous American church all the time. Messy, private lives and pastors all over the yeah. place. But God continues to bless and yeah. do things. So I was like, yeah, I can get away with a little bit more. Yeah. I can do a little bit more. It must be my own power. It must actually be that God has placed this on me that I can do anything. Right. And yet, sin, and this is the reality, is behind sin, death is always lurking. It's yeah. just what's going to happen next. And so we see him do that, probably in his desire to be close and in his arrogance. Yeah. And at that moment, he goes to sleep, and uh, he gets brought captive, and then he gets eyes gouged out. And more than likely, what, what scholars would tell you is that gouging was a burning first. Mm. Because the thing about gouging, gouging your eyes out, there'd just be a bunch of blood. It'd be gross. Like, so there would have been this torch. So they would have burned, like, okay. you know, 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever it is. And it would have, like, it would have turned everything to ash. And okay. it would have carterized or whatever it is. And so that's a, that's a terrible way yeah. to end up blind, you know. Yeah. And that's where we find him in this place where he finally cries out to God. And that's where I, I get so angry about this passage. Because what, what we hear people talk about is... Uh, you know, I think it's sixteen twenty-two. His hair starts growing back. Look, God's so gracious. See, God still does that. Focus on God's grace, and then, and then Samson points to a greater sacrifice because in his death, the, the 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 enemy's destroyed, and that's that is true. But it still seems to be that we all point towards death as the solution to all yeah. this stuff. And what I want to make sure we understand is not in our death. Our death is not the solution. Jesus' death it is. So we got to clarify right. those. And then the third part typically comes up in this passage. And I just was listening to a pastor who I respect greatly and love the way he um, exposes and exegetes, you know, like works through the scriptures and right. helps us understand them. Uh, but he literally spent 25 minutes telling people that, that don't be like Samson, don't do these things. And I just didn't hear, hey, that, what does that screen have to do for you? Like the kind of stuff. But the problem with that is it leads to a, a different religion, which is like morality. Right. That somehow if we perform well enough, then things will be better for us. And right. while there might be some truth to, we never regret doing the right thing, but at the end of the day, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons right. doesn't get us any closer to God. Right, right. And so I think there's some danger in that. So we go, okay, this can't just be about don't be like Samson. Like, yeah. I mean, there's some, maybe there's some help Ted talk type stuff in that. But the reality is, what do, if that's the case, what we got to do is we got to identify ourselves not and not learn not to be like him. We probably should first start with let's identify ourselves as very similar yeah. to Samson. Yeah. And then let's figure out what what could change, what God could be pointing yeah. to in this story that could be helpful for us. Then we go, there's a judge. Right. And this judge frees people from their captivity, but it's just a Band-Aid. And Band-Aids are not permanent solutions, but mm. God in his grace is planning one. And yeah. Jesus is the perfect judge. And so Jesus actually comes to save us from our enemy 
And what I would point out to Samson, his greatest enemy was not the Philistines. Right, right. His greatest enemy was inside of him, right? Right. Sin, and that's our greatest enemy. So if God came to save us from that, how exactly does that work? Yeah. And that's where it's more in the minutia of going, okay, let's actually not think philosophically, ethereally. Let's actually look at what the work of Christ on the cross yeah, yeah. does for us, which is what leads us. Yeah. To I, five, six, and seven. So I feel like, and I... Let me just talk for myself for a moment, but I, I felt like it was such a good message because I've always looked at the story of Samson, and I'm I'm a professional Christian. You know, yeah, you've got yeah, more years yeah. on me than I do, but like professional Christian, I've always looked at the story of Samson and almost looked at it as a tragedy. Like, yeah. because sure, there's a couple of great things that he does, and he saves the people, I guess, from the yeah. Philistines, but it's just. Like he dies at the end, like all the judges do. So it's not like, okay, and then he had peace for like, it's just all of these what look like really bad, dumb, silly, foolish decisions sprinkled in with a lot of, wow, did he, how did he actually tie foxes together and set their tails on fire? Like, how did he carry the gates of the, you know, the city? Like, and how did he kill all these men with a, a donkey's jawbone? Like, like this crazy story sprinkled in with these amazing things that clearly God was with him. But I've always looked at it as a tragedy of going, man, this, I'm not really sure what I can pull out from it. And I've heard the the same things like, okay, in death, things are good. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess the story is that I shouldn't be like Samson, but, but tying it into sin was really good. Like what I think really hit me well, or, or what really, hit home for me was just kind of going the difference between he was a sinner yeah. and the real problem is not the verb, yeah. but sinning is not sinning. Yeah, sinning. It's sinner. Yeah. 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 So I He's just really good at sinning the verbiage. Yeah. And if you yeah. haven't, like I really yeah. appreciate the visuals too. Yeah. So if yeah. you, if you haven't watched it, like you can watch that on our website, clcfamily.church slash media. There's a, there's an option to listen to it. There's also an option to watch. And one of the things that you've been intentional with, at least this year, um, just within the last few weeks is to try and give more visuals. And I feel like that, that visual was so good when you were taking the sinning with the sinner, like and started with sin and sinning, then sinner, like it, just the visual of it made it so good. And then as we move forward and we talk about being in, in Adam or in, in Jesus, like, I think that that those visuals were so good, but as I'm looking at it, I've always just thought, man, this is more of a tragedy than like this great judge that we want to be like Gideon. I find a lot of hope in, in the sense that man, if God can use him, but then for Samson, I'm like, uh, that's a, crazy story but but tying in the fact that god used a sinner like he used samson and this was the real issue and pointing towards the day where that sin would be dealt with the real judge for me it just connected dots that i feel like haven't been connected before um and it sounds silly to say that like even now as i'm talking i'm like man i feel like i should have seen that like of course jesus is the ultimate ultimate judge who saves us from our sin but it was just i I just i think i was impressed like i was I thought it was such a good message because I've always wondered, like, Samson's just a crazy story, and it just seems like a tragedy, not a triumph. Yeah, it is. It's so funny. It's like Marvel would not create this story. Yeah. Great superhero who has zero integrity. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. there's supposed to be virtue in our stuff. Right. It's like hardwired in us. We long for virtue and, you know, supernatural, right? Yeah. And Samson's not that, right? Like, so, because... We see too much of ourselves in that, right. and we don't have that power. So it's just a, a terrible feeling of going, well, I didn't, is that the kind of person that saves us? You know, it's like those movies where they make like the bad Santa type movies. Like, no, no, no. They're supposed to have virtue, you know? Yeah. And so it is a, a really broken story and really sick. 
sincerely really sad. Like, yeah. and what I would want to make sure we highlight is he had a miserable life, yeah. like a miserable life, and they're miserable life. Yeah. And he, because there was something hardwired in him that kept leading him to a different place. And that's why I love that passage in Romans 7, uh, you know, and that I, I read even yeah. this week. It's like, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Yeah. Like, it's just like that is our story. And, you know, there's one, the, I think one of the problems for people like leaning in the Christian faith is this idea that, okay, I got to lay all logic aside. I got to lay all like any kind of understanding of how it's possible aside and just believe in this imaginary God who just floats right. around like you read message boards or whatever it is. Okay, you talk to your imaginary God. And so it's like we – it seems like we're asking people to suspend belief, to have belief. Right, in. right. So I do like the passages where it's going, no, 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 this isn't figurative. This isn't ethereal. This is possible, and here's how it is possible. Mm. One person can get us into this. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've come to the conclusion that's possible, right? I I am a product of the people ahead of me, yeah. right? I mean, we we can look at jihad or we can look at ISIS. We can look at different approaches to um, the way by which people murder other people. And right. you go, how did that human become that? How did Hitler become right. that, right? right? There's just this progression, and it starts with the people ahead of us, right? Yeah. Like there are people that are raised who literally hate me. Yeah. Because I believe in Jesus. And there are other people that hate people because of the color of their skin. Right. Like, how do they do that? Well, because it's, we'd say, well, somebody started that, you right. know, that, that thing for them, that trajectory. And so imagine that trajectory over thousands yeah. or billions, if you want to, years, right? And so if that's the case, then we can go, well, yeah, that's possible. That's yeah. possible that there's something in me that's creating things that I haven't even trying to stop. But so there's two things going. Can you agree that there's things that you don't want to do that you keep on doing? Yeah. I'm Okay. Where does that come from? Well, the scriptures say, where it comes from is actually from, you know, our our DNA. Yeah. Like at the cellular level, there's something in us that was wired in us, some kind of code that we cannot break. And so either you go, okay, let's go eat, drink, and be merry, which you can do, which is what Samson did. Yeah. And it's miserable. So either we have miserable lives, we die in miserable deaths, or we consider that there's another way. And this is what I love about the Christian faith, particularly how Paul writes it. He is not asking you to suspend belief. Mm-hmm. He's literally... Lots of words trying to help us understand exactly what it looks like to be removed from our, you know, our thing with Adam, right, and then put in Christ, right. Right. There's this biblical term that used at Sunday called amputation, Mm. right. We all know what amputation is, right? right. Amputation is when something is dead, you cut it off, right. Well, amputation is the exact opposite of that. It's like putting, it's like imputing you, putting you into someone else's life. So what Christ does is we get imputed. Mm-hmm. into Christ. We're amputated away from Adam, right? We're, right. Getting, we're getting separated from that because that's the death, right? And then now we're getting placed into Christ, right? Yeah. So the best way I can explain it would be kind of going, okay, you're, a person dies from whatever the toxic stuff it is, but there's something still good in them, the kidney, the liver, whatever right. it is, and it gets implanted yeah. into that which can still give it life, right? right? right. And so the what happens is we die, and God takes our soul and places it in Christ, and now we get to live that again. And yeah. so you go, well, how in the world does it happen? And so I love what Paul says here. Hey, here's the deal. If you're in Christ, if you're placed in him, then everything that he does, because you're with him, you do also. Yeah. So if if uh, Christ dies, that means you die too, right? Mm-hmm. Now, but if Christ comes back to life and leaves death in the ground, defeats death, that means you come back to life too. And if Christ can cross over into the eternal because you're in him, he punched your ticket, 
He's he, you're on his train. He's the train. You're sitting in his seat, right? Within him, that means you get eternal too. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people want to talk about one day, and it's like no, 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 no. This has real ramifications mm. for right now. And what it says is, you were taken out of your old boss, placed into your new boss, right. and therefore you no longer have to follow the rules that the old boss used to right. bark at you. And so there's something in us that tells us we have to continue doing the things that we do when we really don't have to. Yeah, we we have the ability to say no. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question yeah. for you. Just so as we get into Romans, what you did is you started with Romans seven. Yeah. Then you, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, then you went to six, and then you went to five. Seven, five, then six. Five, then six. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so I'm just curious. What I guess I don't know if this is more of a teaching point or more of just a curiosity. Like, hey, what made you do it that way yeah. out of order? Because generally, if I'm reading the Bible, most of our viewers were. Not going to go, okay, we're going to do seven, and then we'll do five, and then we'll do six. We'd probably go, okay, we would read it five, six, and seven. So why the change? Yes, oh, good question. Um, I think it has a lot to do with Paul's writing because some of what Paul does over and over again is kind of does the insummation. So he'll write a whole thing, then he'll summarize it, then he'll write some more. And so what you see in Romans 7 is really a summation. So if you go, let let me break it down to you. First, I recognize that the very things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I can't do, right? Yeah. I got to be careful because I say do, do. And the people giggle and it's like, oh, my gosh, see, you're a sinner. And so you got this whole thing, right? And so he literally walks through the path of Samson yeah. and us. So very uh, succinct as Paul can be, right? So like very succinctly, he goes, things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. So I keep doing these things and I keep telling myself I'm not going to do these things. I wake up today saying I'm not going to do it and then I end up doing it anyway. So the conclusion is there must be something else wired in yeah. me that makes me do those things, right? right, right. So and then he goes, it can't be me. It must be something else in me. That's where I'd go, okay, let's imagine you're coded. There is this this molecular code inside you in your DNA, right? We, yeah. that, that from our ancestors in there, there's this thing that keeps happening. He goes, I've come to the conclusion that I am saying no in my body and something in me is still saying yes. So therefore it can't be me. It can't be here. It can't be here, but somewhere else yeah. it's saying yes. Therefore, let me put some words in that. That is a, a, a nature that I have. That is sin. I have a sin nature. And so he's explaining in you know, a few verses what we all feel and very, like he, very clearly, this is our problem. Yeah. Okay. Then he then goes, and this is why I want to go here first. It's verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Okay. Yeah. I know met acknowledge this and there I am broken. I, yeah. am, I am dirty. I am unclean as he calls himself a chief of sinners. And so then he asked the question, he goes, well, who can save me from that? Love that is yeah. who and not what. I wanted to bring that out too. Like that was a great point that you made. Yeah. It wasn't like, Hey, what can save me? And yeah. you made the point on Sunday, at least it was like, it's not the next diet. It's not yeah. the next, you know, rehab it's not the next thing but it's it's the person of who so here's the thing about what so imagine a, a computer program like that that's broken yeah right? and there's these um if then statements and i'm like if it's blank happens that so i actually believe what happens if you say what can save me you're just going back to verse 15 and then you're just okay. doing the whole pattern again i can do it okay. what can save me? this book okay what and you know like yeah i can't like <laughs> Like That's it's good. like this, and I wish I could have had to talk about it on Sunday or Saturday. It's like it's like we're in this perpetual broken right. program that keeps just it literally is the spinning wheel of death or whatever yeah. it is, right? It's just there because it just can't break that code. Yeah. And the reason it can't break the code is because it's asking a question that does not have an answer to it. Yeah. Right. It's like saying divide by zero, right? Z- yeah. What's zero divided by zero, right? You should ask Siri right now if you have that phone. Ask Siri. She'll say, "What? Do, how do you divide zero cookies with zero friends? <laughs> it's not possible." But Cookie Monster's sad that he doesn't have cookies. Cookies and friends, that's yeah. the two? That's what it says. Okay. How do you divide zero cookies with zero friends? It's not possible because you can't divide zero cookies. And Cookie Monster's sad that he doesn't have cookies. 
and Siri sad that you don't have any friends. That's really what she says, right? <laughs> so amazing. She wow. asks, you Thanks, can pause Siri. this. Hey, Siri. How do you divide zero by zero? You check it out. Briggs taught me that, right? Because that's what they learn in school these days, right? But anyway, all that being said, it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it. It's like this. You're, it's stuck. Which, it's like, which ah, even comes like, back to yeah. the to the cycle of sin that we're yeah. talking about, right? It's like, like yeah. it, it's a it's a maybe it's a New Testament version of what we've been talking about. Like, yeah. the Israelites keep finding themselves doing the same things over and over and over and over. So they ask a question that does not have an answer. Yeah. What can save me? Nothing can save me. But who can save me? Yeah. That makes sense because who got us into this? Yeah. Not what got us into this, but who got us into this? Adam. Not what gets us out of it, but who can get us out of that? And this yeah. is where he says very clearly, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in summation, we have a, we have at our DNA level a code that's broken. Yeah. And nothing can fix us. And as a result, we feel wretched. Yeah. And the reason we feel wretched is because we are. Yeah. We are broken. And it might not be fair, but it's true, right? And so we are broken. And if we are broken, either we are unfixable or someone, because someone got us into it, someone else must be able to get, have right. to get us right. out of it. And that's where he points to Jesus. You go, oh, that's a cute story. But how? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so now let's go back and read. Yeah. Paul's writings that give you this conclusion. So when he's saying, but me to Jesus Christ, the reason he's saying it there as a result of what's broken, it's because in chapters 5 and 6, he actually explains what Christ does. Yeah. So this is it. That's what I kept saying. This isn't ethereal. This isn't metaphoric. This, is, this, is, this isn't figurative. This is right. literal. He's literally told us how we get in Christ and outside right. of Adam. Right. And so I don't want us to think like, oh, you just pray the prayer, feel the, you know, get the goosebumps. No, this is actually, there's yeah. a plan here, right? Yeah. And so then he walks through what it's like to be in Christ as opposed to being in Adam. And, and I think that that was uh, one of the things, I think that was so good to, to do it this way because you do give the summary. And especially if you're new to reading the Bible, like you pick up Romans, Romans and Paul's writings especially can be a little bit crazy. And I think it's worth repeating that you said that Paul would work with a scribe, right? So he's dictating this. So he's he's speaking and it's being recorded how, as he's kind of processing through. Which is how I think. Right. So I get that. That's right. why there's stuff everywhere. That's how I process. And so as you read through the writings of Paul, man, many times I've, like, especially in my teenage years, I remember this. Uh, I feel like as I've grown in more knowledge and more understanding, yeah. like that's obviously helped. But when I was a teenager, reading through Romans was so confusing that I, I remember there's a couple times that I would start reading it and be like, uh, I think I'm going to read this book instead. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go back to this because it's easier to understand. So I think that even by taking it, by going to seven and then going back to five and six, yeah. that some summarization of it was so helpful to go, okay, here's where we're driving towards. And man, I'm so glad that God has given us kind of the, the solution. Like he is the one, not a what, but a who. Yeah. He is the one that can save me from this body of sin and death. So as we kind of go back to five then, um, as we're talking through that, the um, I forget, I, I'm, I wrote a ton of notes, but I, of course I can't find yeah. where I'm trying to, to get that. I think it's in verse 12. So we start talking about um, there's uh, death through Adam and life through yeah. Jesus Christ. So I don't know. I feel like you did a good job explaining this, or at least um, for me, maybe it kind of put the pieces together. But is there more that you would have shared in that regards? Or as you're talking through this, uh, really, I guess for me, was it was a great understanding of 
of kind of that family of origin stuff. Like, yeah. okay, I can understand in Adam because you can say foo if you want to like family of origin foo. Okay, foo. Yeah. I was like, well, I can say, say foo. Why That's would so I say weird. that? That's yeah. uh, I don't like that food. I think <laughs> I don't know. But uh, like as you look at that, it makes sense for me to go. Okay, I can I can understand that because of the way that my dad did things. This is the way that I was brought up, and I understand that because of the way that his dad things. This is the way that I was brought up, and so it makes sense for me to kind of be able to bring that back to a place of Adam of go, Hmm, I guess it makes sense because of the sin that was in Adam. Not that I'm trying to shift blame for my sin, because I know that I'm, I'm responsible for sin in my life, but it's easy to understand and to grasp that because of Adam, I now live in a place that I'm just in sin. Like I'm in Adam in sin, but I don't have to be. Yeah. I can now choose because of what Christ has done and because of, as you were talking about, and I think this was in six where, where we're dead to sin, but alive in Christ because Christ died. And because I am now connected to him, I'm associating with him. I'm in him. I've also died to sin. That was even a revelation for me of going, man, I've never said that I've died with Christ. I've used Romans six for years when I've talked to students about baptism. I've never gone, well, wait a minute. I've died with Christ. And I'm like, no, no, no. I died in my old self. But it just painting this picture was was helpful. And for me, yeah. hearing it again was going, man, I have died with Christ. I don't I don't have to live in Adam. Yeah, so there's lots of theological statements like Keller, who I love. He will say something like, he lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. I like it, but I think it's dangerous. And I love Tim Keller, brilliant guy. But I think it's really important to go, no, 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 we died. Yeah. Like, no, no, if I'm in Christ, then I died. Like, yeah. no, 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 I died. Like, yeah. it really is that paid for, that he took me, put me inside of him, enveloped me with yeah. his protection. Like, it's like, he is the fire suit. Right. He wraps around and he says, no, 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 I walk through the fire. Right. Like, in, you know, and I think it's in, uh, I think it's, Lament- no, it's not limitations. It would be Leviticus. It talks about, like, the way by which you purify things. And it says this interesting thing. It says, anything that can withstand the fire must be put through fire to be purified. Mm. Right? So this idea that if it can handle fire, you have to go through it for it to be purified. There mm. is no other way. Right? And so even I say fire is pretty important in terms of the purification thing. But really, it's going, the way by which we had to have to walk through fire, like death, what, the way we receive that punishment, is it's just wrapped around us. So mm. we don't feel that, we, we feel the, the pain of our sin. We feel yeah. the pain of being coded wrong. But our death doesn't feel that pain because Jesus actually paid right. the price of that death, right? And so when it says the wages of our sin is death, he pays it. But the way that we get covered in it is we actually die with him. Yeah. He just he goes no 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 you can come with me no no I'll 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 pay the price come with me and I'll absorb it all and so it it gets complicated and yet it makes sense that we'd actually look at it literally to go well that would make sense of how I'm covered then not just some cute little statement Jesus died so it may it must right, be it's right. going no you at the DNA molecular level cellular level were hardwired right. to have a master that wants to destroy you right, right. might not be your fault. Might not be fair, but it's still true. Right. And so there must be a way to get through that. And that's why I wish I could have spent some more time. It's kind of the, the big crescendo, I think it's verse um, 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. No, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Yeah. So that, I mean, you got to hear that. It's been done away with. If you're in Christ, you might not think it. You might go, well, maybe that's true. No, no, it is true. I don't always believe it, but it's still true, yeah. right? It's not fair, like, yeah. but it's still true. Same thing, right? And so that's really, really important. But then it goes on and it says this. It goes, 
for that our old body, which was ruled by sin, might be done away with. So we understand there's something actually in our body, like our body, there's something hardwired in that's being ruled by sin, which explains why Paul is going, why can't I fix this, right? Yeah. Um, that we should uh, done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, meaning sin is not the boss. So when it's saying slaves to sin, it's literally saying, like, you can't see it as this verb. Yeah. That is right. a tyrant. Right. Like, this is, I don't know, think of your worst one. Stalin, you know, Castro, whoever you want to put in that category. That's what sin is in our life. Yeah. It is a tyrant. Destroy us. But he says you don't have to be a slave because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so when I got there, I thought, man, I really need to get to verse 14. And, and this is where I really struggled because... Each one of those at this point, I'm I'm going on sixty minutes, yeah, right. which goal really is fifty, and you know, I think we get around there a lot of times. But it was it was sixty plus, and so it really felt the weight of that. Going, God, I don't know what to do here. Got another service. I'm, so it made sense to me that I just would highlight that sin, hmm. not your master. Tell the story about adoption. All, yeah, you know, we'll, right. we'll, we'll wrap up with that later. But but what I was really bummed by is there still is another tangible piece. And when we say sin is on our master that I didn't get to catch, I was like, please, please read this. So I just want yeah. to read it to you real quick yeah, yeah. while we have this here. It says in verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe also that we'll live with him. Mm-hmm. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And since we're in him, death no longer has mastery over us. So no, right. two things. Now sin's not your master. Guess what else is it? Death. Yeah. These big, the big thing we can't control and the big thing we're afraid of, neither one of those controls anymore. <laughs> but that's not the part I really wanted to highlight. Verse 10, it says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So you are now alive, dead to sin, alive, but you're alive now and living the life that Christ has for mm. us with his power. But what I wish I could have spent some time on, verse 12 and 13, it says this, Therefore, as a result of this understanding, right? Mm. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. They're talking about this stuff that's still in us. Yeah. There's something still speaking to us in our body. Like there's all sorts of I love this science is doing it now. Like Tony, science is gonna fix the abortion issue too. Like they're gonna go, that's that's a baby. I can see it at the you know the cellular level. But what brain science is doing to help people understand our brains that the Bible's talking about, and now what body science is doing. There's books about like I think I, even our counseling center is learning stuff about what the body remembers, not our mm. Newland counseling center, sorry. A separate entity, but you know, someone I love dearly, we love dearly, but um, but it literally talks about how bo- your body remembers trauma, like it mm. captures in there, like that is not psychobabble, mm. that is true science, right? And so, but here's what it says right here it says, So your body has that, but then watch this, verse 13. This is what I, if I could have preached for another hour, <laughs> 30 minutes, this would have been the verse do not mm. offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, hmm. but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And watch this, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Hmm. The ESV, that part of yourself says members. Okay. Member, any part or member of yourself. Okay. So this is literally talking about our body parts. Right. And Paul uses these things later, talk about the way the church was sorted. So he's literally saying... You can't offer your eyes mm. to that thing. So mm. you don't just tell you that sin's not your master. You're going, no, no, right. eyes, my eyes. Sin is not my master. Right. I do not have to look at that. The right. next time we want to say that really clever, cutting thing, really sarcastic, boy, it'll it'll land hard, you know, and it will do damage to their soul. That you know, power, of life, and death is in tongue. I can, I can say to my lips, yeah, lips, tongue. 
sin. You're not the master of them, right, right? right? So this is like imagining all of it. So this is more tangible than just whispering it to your head. It's right. going, hey, feet. And you'd be standing outside that door right. and going, oh, I don't have to I don't have to walk into that building. Right. Or right. you can go, hey, thumbs. Yeah. You can you can you can put your thumbs down and not send that text, right? Mm-hmm. I mean like, hey, you know, all hey, hey, taste buds. Yeah. That craving is not gonna fix that. Hey, stomach, whatever it is. Like these are literal things. And so yeah. we talk so ethereally about how you walk in the gospel. Paul is going, let me yeah. tell you how I actually do this. Like I literally can get up every day. And so I'm, this isn't my thought. This, and in fact, even the adoption story, why I'm passionate about it. The one who helped frame this for me years ago was Andy Stanley okay. talking about sin, not being your master. And he talks about how every day, and he says, people think would probably think he's weird where he gets up and he speaks to his body. Andy Stanley, you know, okay. like hip, cool, smart, wise, <laughs> doesn't seem like the charismatic, you know, yeah, like right. go with the wind. He gets up every morning and he tells his feet that Sam's not their master. He mm-hmm. looks at his hands and goes, Sam's not your master, right? Mm-hmm. Like every day, because he is saying these instruments, these parts are actually nailed, not underneath Sam's lordship. Yeah. So therefore, for sin shall no longer be your master. Yeah. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. And so yeah. that is a, this beautiful passage. I'm going, oh, I wish I could have spent some more time there, but it would have required some time. I would have spent more time. I would have right. highlighted every one of our body parts that I could, I mean, that were appropriate, and <laughs> and talked about those in a way that goes, look, you don't have to do that. Yeah, you know? right. And you don't. And that's right. where I'd argue to people, hey, I'd practice it. Next time you want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Maybe you'll still do it, but before you do it, at least try it, and at least yeah. say it, and then do it anyway if you need to, right? Because you want to do it in that moment. But little by little, day by right. day, this right. is I love this idea that no one, when they're little, says, "When I grow up, I want to sell crack cocaine right. to elementary school students." Right. But some people do. Right. Why? Because little by little, day by day, that's the progression they took. Yeah. So is that possible, little by little, with a new master and a new Lord, with Jesus in us, yeah. that we can slowly make progress in the other direction? And we look back ten years and we're. Really, really excited about the work yeah. that's happened here. And, and I think as you're talking about that, that's why I think that illustration that you use, yeah. and I've heard you use yeah. it before, at least in conversation, mm-hmm. maybe even in message. Um, but just I think I shared it briefly in one of these a few weeks ago. Oh, maybe First that's week, what it was. Okay. I talked about dying to sin, kind of yeah. drip that killed the spider and this piece out yeah, there. Yeah, so I think that it's just, that's why that illustration is so good. And maybe, uh, I don't know, we've got some time left. Is it worth repeating? I do want to get to the question that we've got. Um, yeah, let's do that. So uh, maybe if we have time, we can kind of do that towards the end of just repeating that story. And just, But it is so good because it's what it reminded me of is that I feel like many times I'm not where I should be in life. When yeah. I look at my life and I see the sin that's there and I see that I'm still struggling, like you said, with the sin that's been there for years and years, yeah. I'm going, man, I'm really not where I'm supposed to be. But at least I'm not where I used to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that. So for me, there's an encouragement of going, it's, it's not about, you know, it's, it's gone forever. Yeah. Like it's, but there's a growth and it's going, okay, God, well, thank you for, for that. And yeah. I want to continue to live into that. So That's what I love C.S. Lewis says, uh, never judge a person about where they are. Yeah. So you don't know how far they've come. And the reality is what we're fighting against is thousands of generations of people right, right. who have come before us where our DNA comes from in this same mass. So, I mean, like we are literally in this spiritual war with, yeah. uh, not flesh, but the nature that guides our flesh, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we have to fight against that 
over and over again and say, nope, Sam, you're not my master. Yeah. So kind of in, in the thought of kind of fighting in, against flesh, yeah. this here comes this question that kind of relates to where we're at, but also just love the fact that people are, are writing in yeah. questions. So continue to do that. If you have a question, whether it's regarding the message or it's just a question in general, please let us know. You can do that by writing on the back of the bulletin, uh, dropping that in the offering plates over the weekend services. Or if you go to overtime at clcfamily.church, you can just send your email to that and we'll get that as well. But, but here's the question that uh, somebody wrote in. It says this. It says, um, how will someone practice grace? For example, uh, if a great hurt was occurred in your life, how can you give grace? I had a neighbor that stole jewelry from me and you uh, and sold it for drugs. I'm hurt and disappointed. Do I offer grace? And then they put in parentheses, it happened four years ago. Hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about those words then. Uh, two Bible terms we use a lot, right? Mercy and grace. Right. Uh, a lot of times we use them interchangeably. Uh, in the scriptures, they're not. So yeah. um, mercy is not having to pay the price for something that you should pay for. Right. right? So that would be um, I get pulled over, get a speeding ticket, and I go before the judge, and the judge goes, it's okay. I'm just throwing it out, right? right, right. I deserve to pay it. He's not enforcing it. Therefore, he, whether or not we agree, should, shouldn't, he shows me mercy, right? Right, right. Now, that's not what grace is. Yeah. Now, imagine at that time the judge goes, not only am I not going to make you pay that, here's a gas card, and yeah. I'll actually pay for your gas for the next year, right? right. That, so mercy is not having to pay for what you deserve to pay for. Grace is getting something good that right. you don't deserve. Right. So that's why the grace, the, the cute thing is God's riches at Christ's expense, right? Right. So it's, when we look about it in the terms of, you know, scriptures, you got, um, you got we the wages of sin, that's death. Yeah. So that's what we deserve to pay, death. But Jesus pays that on our behalf right. and invites us into not having to pay that on our own, right? Or not with our own pain, right? So God so that's mercy. We deserve sin, we should pay it. Jesus doesn't make us pay it. Right. Right. We deserve death. Now, but that same I think it's Romans says that's three twenty three, six twenty three, one two. It says, But the gift of God is eternal life. Right. So mercy is we don't have to die right. to our sins. Right. Right? Or we don't have to pay the price for our sins. And the second part is, but we also get eternal life with Jesus. Right. So right. this is going, stand before the judge. That's God. And he goes, I'm not going to make you pay death today. Oh, right. good. And I'm going to throw you a party from here on out. And what? That, yeah. that's There's great. no punishment and great favor. Right. So um, here's, a, uh, here's a couple things I would think about there. I'm, trying, I'm working through the scriptures to think of a time that God told us to show grace. Hmm. I can think about Thessalonians where he talks about rich. The reason we're rich is to be rich to others. Like it's a verb, not a noun. Like I tells um, Abraham that he's going to be a blessing to Abraham. He's going right. to bless Abraham so that Abraham can be a blessing. I would put those in the grace category. Okay. But I can't think of a time where it talks about um, giving more to your brother. I can think – the only one I can possibly think of about here would be maybe the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Asking specifically where Jesus is talking about what it looks like to follow him completely. And it's going, if someone asks you to carry your stuff one mile, that's carry a demand. Two, yeah. And that's more of a, that's actually what he was supposed to pay because that was, that was legal within the Roman government. Right. Because, and, right. you know, then, uh, then carried another. So that would, that would be the sense I'd go, that's gracious. Yeah. And there's something to do there. And here's why I believe Jesus would tell them to be gracious there in that moment because they were slaves to that law. Okay. But what he's showing in there is, 
I'm not a slave to this. Mm. I have a better Savior mm. than this, and it's Jesus. And I can do this because my value isn't mm. determined by this. My value isn't determined whether or not you see me as a peasant, right? It's like getting hit on the left side of the cheek and going, you can hit me on the right. You no, know, some of that, there's some yeah, belief. And, is that, that, and the law, just in case, like, so that was, I want to make sure that yeah, I've got yeah, it right. Yeah. So a Roman soldier could because have, he's exhausted. Yeah. yeah, have somebody carry his stuff for a mile. Like yeah. that was that was Roman law that was like, yeah. hey you carry this, we're yeah. going a mile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that anytime, stop anytime. Yeah. You got to do this because that was just they were tired. That was the way they took care Which, of their soldiers. Even when Jesus is going to the cross yeah. where uh, Simon Simeon Simon of Serene. Simon of Serene carried the cross like yeah. so for somebody to be picked out of the crowd, you carry this. Yeah. Kind yeah. of part of well, everyday I'm life. Used to that. Yep. Yeah. So the big dudes especially, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't do well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang it. There I go. Like, <laughs> Again, <laughs> the six miles a day. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad, for making me so strong. But anyway, so you got that. And so if I think about that light, right, it's there's something about that second mile yeah. that now is showing who is your Lord. Yeah, right. Right? And so that would be grace. Now, I'm wrestling through this is if we're – if the question's about that kind of grace. Yeah, right. Or if we're talking about mercy. And yeah. here's here's what I think. I do think we're called to give mercy because that's what forgiveness is. Yeah. Forgiveness at its base level is not wanting the person to have to pay for their past sins. So maybe you've already gotten there, right? Maybe you've already yeah. gone, I don't actually care if they make restitution. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just, I don't care anymore. I don't want you to feel the pain of this. Right. But it doesn't mean you have to be friends anymore, right? There, right. right. Uh, in Proverbs, we talk about this a lot. Like a dog returns his volley, a fool returns, I mean, like a, a fool returns, a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns its folly, right? There's yeah. this idea that there are some places that they're not safe relationships. And right. it's right. prudent. And it actually says in Proverbs, it's prudent see danger and take refuge. Right. The simpleton, the simple mind, and the, the dense go on destruction. So it may be prudent for you not to stay in this relationship. Right. Them demanding it doesn't help. By the way, you also can't demand grace. Yeah, the minute right. you demand it, it's no it's longer grace. grace. So right. <laughs> I think we got to sort through all this. Is this person demanding that you give them something, demanding that you forgive them? That is not... That's not grace there. Right. And uh, our mercy, right? Our forgiveness. So I would just say, could you search your own heart and go, God, I didn't have to pay the price for my sins. I am completely okay with them not having to pay the price for theirs as well. Yeah. And what you'll find is what most of that is not actually for the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Really beautiful definition is forgiveness is setting a prisoner go and then finding out you are the prisoner. Right, right. Right? So there is just some freedom in that. Now, I would probably tinker with that. What does it look like not to have to live in these rules, in this world standards of I won't do anything for anybody, I don't have to do it, they can't make me, versus I'll carry the bag an extra mile. Mm. What is there in that? And so I say all that to say I'm not demanding that you you know, throw them a party. Yeah. I don't think God is either. Yeah. I would say for wherever you are in your own life, particularly if it's four years and this is still coming up, there's some freedom for you to have and mm. go on, just – it's not that big of a deal anymore. Like yeah. whatever that is, I don't care if they, in fact, I don't want them to have to pay for that, but I understand how gracious God has yeah. been and for giving God has been for me. Yeah. I feel like as I'm, as yeah. we're talking through it, I'm thinking of that phrase, that whole forgive and forget. And I don't, I, I'm trying to think of an example. I don't know if that's, I know that God can do that. Like that our sins are forgiven. And like, as far as the East is from the West, like that's, the, but there's still two locations. Yeah, so I, I just I yeah. guess I'm thinking through that, and I, I guess I, I'm not a fan of that phrase because, like you were kind of already talking to, to forgive doesn't necessarily mean that we can or we should yeah. Yeah. forget. Yeah. Like 
we should be prudent and wise in that. And mm-hmm. just because I had a relationship that looked like this and then there was some offense doesn't mean that the relationship's going to be back there because of that offense. It's yeah. not holding on to that grudge or being upset. But I don't I don't know if it's humanly possible to forget. Yeah. So I I'd say a couple things there. One, it's the justice piece. Like yeah. can you let that down? Right. And I would say, and I and I'm not saying this is you or whoever's asked the question or I I'm I'm saying this is me. When I find that I want them to pay the price for their behavior, I am recognizing low emotional intelligence in mm. me and very little awareness, mm. right? Somehow I have determined that they've done something that deserves punishment, mm. and therefore they're not as good as I am. Mm. But when I pause and think about all the ways I've already been forgiven by yeah, Jesus, right. and I have some real awareness of what is given to me, then that becomes a little easier. So I think there is some work that can be done, and I'm going, man, what would it be like if I were that person? Yeah. What would I want to do? How would that be? Wait. I have been that person, not just not to not to me, not to them, but I have been that person to Jesus. And yeah, yeah. He doesn't allow me to sit in that. He actually frees me from it. So I think there's something probably to go. Yeah, that's a good question. Glad you're wrestling through it. And what I really hope you have is some freedom uh, to just walk away from that and not yeah. be tied to that anymore. So I think it says, "Do I offer? Uh, I'm hurt and disappointed. Do I offer grace?" And the last thing I just point out there is, yeah, you should be hurt and disappointed and. Uh, those are feelings that you're allowed to have. It's appropriate to have and appropriate based on where our world is, mm. right? This is the reality of the brokenness of our world. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- uh, those feelings and emotions, all those things point to the fact that this world is not the way it's supposed right, to be. Right. So I'm sorry that you're disappointed. Glad you're sharing that. And I think it'd do you good to be able to enjoy life and walk away from any kind of justice you need in that moment yeah. to move forward. Yeah. So I'm not going to share that orphanage story. Yeah. Uh, what I would suggest is go download the sermon, skip ahead to the last uh, 10 minutes, and enjoy. Yeah, so we we are a little bit over on time today. We want to thank you guys for joining us. If you do, hopefully that did answer your question. I would say that if you have any questions or even follow-up questions, like we wouldn't even mind doing an entire section. Like if it, we had a bunch of questions yeah. from the previous week, we could kind of do a quick review and yeah. kind of – follow any questions so if you have any follow-up questions we'd love to hear them any questions in general um, or questions about the weekend service so we're pretty much gonna sign out from here so thanks for joining us whether you're either on podcast or listen to us on facebook or any of the other social networks or medias or whatever have a great week we will see you next week bye